1: Jerry and Tracy, Polly, and their dog, Ninja.
2: Hey guys, welcome to episode two of the Midweek Episodes.
0: Hey everybody.
2: This is take 374. True that. So y'all don't know this, but we, well, you know that we've struggled for the past couple months ever since we got our new equipment with... Sound quality with a radio station coming through, mm-hmm. and we've replaced everything. Turns out it was the mixer itself,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and we have re-recorded this episode. I think this is the fourth or fifth time.
0: Yep. <laughs>
2: and eventually, we just went back to the old mixer. So this one should be good with no radio. I know I that's hope so. You know, it'll it'll come and go. It makes no sense. Sometimes we'll get radio background. It's always country music, mm-hmm. and you'll hear it in the background. Sometimes you'll get nothing. And it's been so frustrating because that's like a very expensive mixer. And our little cheap mixer does a better job. (laughs) So So it always goes. I mean, it does great for the live shows, Mm -hmm. but it's just not doing what we needed to here. So true that. Anyways, here we go. This is going to be a a cool episode. We've got a special guest for you a little bit later. Ashley Godwin. She's a paranormal investigator and you probably have seen her on Sci-Fi Channel's ghost hunters international mm-hmm. where she's she spent a, a little bit of time
0: yeah she's a cool chick too
2: yeah great personality super funny she was at the sally house with us doing mm-hmm. part of the investigation that's how we got met her and she is going to do two of the live shows with us the savannah show and the charleston show well that's great back to back
0: nights nice love
2: it but she actually lives in the savannah area oh does right, she well she lives in savannah oh. itself so she knows the area backwards Good. And forwards. that's
0: what we need
2: we've done a bunch of savannah shows as far as, like, different uh, haunted places there in Savannah. But I don't think we've ever done one from Charleston. So I thought we would do a Charleston story tonight since she was going to be on. We're going to tell you about a little place at 72 Queen Street in Charleston called Pugin's Porch.
0: Pugin's Porch? <laughs> yes, That's it, kind of a weird name. Yeah.
2: It's got a reason behind it, and we'll get into that just a little bit. One of its inhabitants' oh, name was Pugin.
0: Ooh.
2: Do <laughs> <tell>. Okay. So... <laughs> This house, depending on which article you look at, it varies a little bit as far as when it was built. Some people say that it was built in 1888, some people say 1891. The guess is it's probably somewhere in between. It was originally a residence, and uh, that's the way it was all the way up till 1976, when the neighborhood gave permission to Bobby Ball, who actually is the current owner, to turn it into a restaurant. Now, keep in mind, before this, there was no uh, commercial businesses at all around there.
0: And Not I, even a store?
2: Nothing. And now that, now they got this restaurant.
0: I'm surprised Walmart didn't jump in on that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm, su- I'm surprised. <laughs> okay, so we got this restaurant. It's opened up in 1976. Now, there's two stories that go along with this. The first one says that the, the owners that the Balls uh, bought the home from, they left in such a rush that they had left their little wheaten terrier dog behind.
0: How are you going to forget your dog? What the crap? I don't know that
2: they forgot the dog. Are they it could from just be that they just didn't need it oh, or didn't how want did it. You know? oh. People do it all the time. It's not don't make it right, but it happens all oh the time. Oh my gosh, poor baby. And the, the owners, the new owners, decided to keep it. Oh, well, that's good. And it good. became kind of like a little mascot for the uh, restaurant. And it was like a Walmart greeter. It Mm. just was always at the door. And it spent so much time out on the porch that they called it Pugin's Porch.
0: Now, that's awesome. So if you had not figured yet, the
2: name of the dog was Pugin. And that's where the restaurant name came from. Yay! The other story says that the dog was just coming around and hanging around all the construction workers during the time that was being converted to a restaurant possibly because they had all their lunches and stuff oh. out there, and maybe they were feeding him. Yeah. Regardless of the fact of how it came to be, we know Pugin was a real dog, and he was the mascot there all the way up to 1979 when he passed away.
0: Aw, poor Pugin.
2: So, whether it was from hanging around the construction workers or whether it was from the owners left him regardless, he did become part of the restaurant for the three years Aww, that he was still there. that's left
0: awesome. Left. I love that
1: story.
2: Now, as far as ghost activity when it comes to Pugin, Little kids swear that they can feel Pugan. They don't what see mean? him. But like, you ever, you ever been underneath or sitting at a, a, a table and then underneath you, oh, you can feel the dog. Oh, like yeah. around. Kids say they can feel him moving around by their legs and going that in and out their the legs sweetest. like he's begging for scraps or something.
0: I love Pugan. <laughs> what a cool dog.
2: But he's not the only ghost. And, oh. he's, not, and he's not the main ghost. Wow. The main ghost would be Zoe St. Amand. Now, Zoe lived there back in the early 1900s, and Zoe had kind of a reputation, fair or unfair. She was a local teacher, but she liked to wear thin wire-rimmed glasses and long black dresses, so she developed a reputation as a spinstress in town.
0: Well, that is ridiculous. Miss Beetle wore thin glasses. <laughs> she was not no-dang-on <laughs> spinstress.
2: Everything does not go back to...
0: Why, little house you, on the prairie. I know, but how can you judge somebody just like that? For Pete's sake, she was a teacher. I know. That's terrible.
2: Like Miss Beetle.
0: I know, but she ended <laughs> up getting married.
2: <laughs> so, anyways, what happened was she decided that she pretty much just hated people and she'd rather be by herself.
0: Can you blame her?
2: No. And she moves into this little house on seventy two Queen. You see, with her you said sister. little house. <laughs> She moves in with her sister, Elizabeth, who was pretty much her best friend.
0: Oh, that's nice.
2: They lived together up until 1945
0: mm-hmm.
2: when Elizabeth passed away, tragically.
0: Oh, tragically? What happened?
2: But I don't know. She's, well, Anytime somebody passes away, it's tragic.
0: Oh, oh, that's so sad.
2: What ended up happening, more or less, is she slowly started going um, insane, I guess. From, because she
0: was by herself?
2: I, well, I don't know if it was from that or just from the fact that she was just losing uh, lost everything that was near to her, because that was her best friend or sister everything. Well, I mean, yeah, if, and
0: if you don't have anybody to talk to in the town, oh, what's her heart.
2: So, obviously, she had never married or anything like that, so this, that's, that was pretty much her, her entire life. So they kept to themselves for, like, decades, because Elizabeth was the same way.
0: She was? Yeah. wonder why. I
2: don't know. But after she passed, one day, Zoe apparently was walking down the street Yelling out her sister's name.
0: Oh, my gosh. How heartbreaking.
2: Some neighbors came out and checked on her. And then she was taken to Bon Secours St. Francis Hospital. And one story says that she spent the rest of her life, which it doesn't really go into details to how how long that was.
0: Yeah, I was going to say how. I wonder how she was when that happened. But she
2: spent the rest of her life there at the hospital. And then she died there and was buried at Charleston's St. Lawrence Cemetery.
0: Oh, my gosh. There
2: is another story, though, that says... That she fell down some steps while looking at her for her sister and died. Now that could have happened at the hospital. I'm not sure, but
0: I don't. I mean, was she that bad off that she needed to be in the hospital for the rest of her dang life?
2: Who knows? Because you know how things were in the 40s. I, I
0: mean, would have been her friend.
2: <laughs> I'm sure you would have. I would have. So her ghost is seen more than obviously the dog. So much so there's a, there's a, a hotel right across the street
1: mm-hmm.
2: and the police get so many calls from the hotel saying that there's a woman in a black dress and a, a second story window looking out oh. and, and they're calling the police cause they think that somebody got locked in the restaurant after hours, but that's not what it is. And the police say they've gotten so many calls that they just don't even send anybody out anymore. They just ignore it whenever uh, they get one of those calls.
0: Like I wonder like all times and day and night.
2: Which she is seen a lot
0: in the daytime?
2: But in the daytime, but that's usually from people inside the restaurant. Like brunch time, she's seen a lot.
0: Girl, come on out there and join the party in the daytime.
2: (laughs) So, Bobby Ball, who owns the place, she says there was one night where she had her own encounter. She was kind of closing down for the evening and she was setting the alarm and she heard some wooden stools get knocked over to the ground. Mm -hmm. She went to go check it out and then she said a door began opening and closing pretty violently so she was kind of freaked out
0: oh my god i would be too i wonder what the point of that was i don't know
2: there are a couple other instances though like there was a the daytime chef he had to get in there awful early Mm -hmm. get stuff going for breakfast and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and he came in one morning and said he was half asleep he made himself a cup of coffee Mm -hmm. there was a knock on the door it was the produce delivery guy
0: yeah Mm -hmm.
2: and he sets the coffee down on a stool
0: Oh, so to let the guy in yeah, with the Yeah, okay. let the guy
2: in. Mm-hmm. He gets the stuff. He goes back. He goes to the stool. The coffee's not there. So immediately he's like, I know I put that coffee there.
0: Or then maybe he's thinking, well, maybe I was half asleep, and, but yes. did I really do that?
2: So then he's like, I'm not going to put so much thought in it. I'm just going to make another cup. <laughs> so he goes and makes another cup. He walk, turns right back around, and there's the cup sitting on the stool that wasn't just there when he checked. Yeah. The only thing different is the cup was empty now. And oh. it had red lipstick <gasps> on the rim.
0: That woman? Oh, <laughs> she had to have her a cup of joe. Apparently so. Good for her.
2: There was another lady who late at night, she was in her cleaning up and stuff. And she said she had this unnerving sensation just right behind her. But she'd look around and there was nothing there. She couldn't quite shake it, though. So she kept going. And then she, she's to a room where she's, it's got a mirror in it. And she's mm-hmm. cleaning up and everything. And she happens to look up, there's the mirror, but it wasn't her face she <gasps> saw. What? It was an older woman with wire-rimmed glasses
0: Aww. and a black dress.
2: And she kind of screamed a little bit when she did the image the in the image mirror and disappeared.
0: I feel so bad for her. <laughs> like, seriously.
2: Then there's a, there was a pastry chef. Now, the pastry chef had to work late at night. Because they wanted, like, the obviously biscuits and all that stuff had mm. to be done first thing in the morning.
0: Me, love some breakfast.
2: She's listening to the radio, just listening to some of her favorite music while she was working. She was the only one in here. Mm-hmm. So she didn't care. She could crank it. But she heard something going on upstairs a melee, if you will. So she hears something going on upstairs and she goes check it out. She's like, What's this ruckus? <laughs> and-
0: Darius ruckus. <laughs> Oh, no, that ain't his name, stop. is it? Is that his name? It's Rucker. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Thought I was doing a funny.
2: <laughs> so she goes upstairs. Nothing nothing up there. Nothing that could be making a noise or any stuff. She comes back downstairs. She's starting to get back into what she's doing, and she starts listening to some more music. One of her favorite songs comes on, and she starts singing along. Then she hears another voice singing along. She's figuring, okay, one of my co workers just came in a little bit earlier or oh, something. Messing and they're with messing them. with me. She turns around and there was no one there. Oh. Plus, she knew that the alarm had been set. So, if anybody would have came oh, in, she would have yelled- heard it. Yeah. So, that kind of freaked her out a little bit. She searched the entire restaurant. She couldn't find anything. And the only conclusion that she could come up with was uh, Zoe liked that jam too.
0: How cool would it be for her and Zoe to be getting down with their bad self (laughs) in there? That would be cool.
2: Yeah, that apparently happened.
0: Well, she's so fun. I like that.
2: So there's another woman who's, ironically, her name was Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. It was her birthday coming up. Friend said, hey, where you want to go to eat at? She said, hey, I heard that this place is haunted. So I want to go to Pugin's Porch and I want to eat there because afterwards they were taking a ghost tour. Yeah. They might have been taking Mike Brown's ghost tour. I don't know. Because it was Charleston and he has a ghost tour in Car- Charleston.
0: So this so this place is still open. Yeah.
2: Yeah, <gasps> we we're going think- to eat there when we go there.
0: Oh, no, we're not. Guess we are. We're going to Pugin's Porch?
2: Pugin's Porch.
0: Oh, Ho- my God. I'm so excited. Hopefully
2: they let us inside. So anyway, she's going. They're, they're going to eat there before this ghost you tour. are going to make
0: us eat out on the porch?
2: They might. It'll be warm. It don't matter. It's always warm there.
0: Oh, my gosh. I cannot wait for this. Well, you got a year. I know, dang.
2: It's like August 9th. Or October 9th. Oh, hell. John Lennon's birthday. oh She's got this sitting there eating with her group and she's got one of those ghost apps. You know, like the one on your phone, like the one you were oh, the we ghost were, app. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember like, the one the one we were looking at in Galveston where it shows like supposedly all the spirits that yes, are around yeah. you. Yeah. She's got this out there and she's like, Hey, look everybody, look at all the look at all the ghosts and stuff that are right around here she wouldn't count on the server overhearing her and then he says hey um whether you realize it or not i've had an experience here it was there was like all these different orbs that were right here in this very corner where all of you are staying at
1: <laughs> great so it's like
2: kind of fun i guess ed macy is an author he actually lives right there in charleston and um he's he's pretty much dedicated himself to learning the history of Charleston since the early 1990s. He pretty much knows it all. He says that when the Balls bought the place, they had no clue that it was haunted.
0: So you got to be kidding. No. Nobody said a word to them? No.
2: And, and, But, you know, it, they turned it into a restaurant. It might not have been haunted until then. You know construction kind of— On the ground, yeah. Yeah, like, that kind of starts getting that's stuff going. true. Once once they found out that it was, they started doing some research, and that's how they found out about Zoe and all that stuff, when she lived there and the story behind her and all that. Yeah. They say that Zoe has been seen 200 times at least, and like we said, oftentimes in broad daylight.
0: I hope we see crunch. her. I'm going to give her the biggest hug.
2: <laughs> a ghost hug. So it's open seven days a week, and people can go see it if they want to.
0: I am so excited. I didn't know we were going. Well, we're not
2: going to go there and not go there.
0: I know, but yay. I want to take that dog some treats.
2: <laughs> Just take him some invisible. Nothing.
0: Yeah, and maybe like lick my hand and stuff. <laughs> Aww.
2: All right, guys. Thank you so much for uh, listening to our little story. I like
0: that story, And honey. now
2: we got uh, Ashley coming up. So give Ashley All a listen. All
0: right, you guys listen to Ashley.
2: Hey, guys, we have a special guest for you tonight. We have Ashley Godwin on the show. And Ashley is going to be joining us in the savannah live show that's coming up next october and the night before we're going to be in charleston with mike brown and she's going to be a part of that show she's actually from the area we had a chance to meet her at the sally house she was part of the investigation so that's part of what she does these days and she was on sci ghost hunters international for a while and we're happy to have her on the show and part of the live shows ashley welcome aboard
1: hey thanks for having me i'm excited
2: I say welcome aboard like we're on the Starship Enterprise or something. Oh, I wish. So, Ashley, tell me a little bit about you. Tell me about what got you into the paranormal, what made you want to become a paranormal investigator, and how you ended up on Sci-Fi Channel.
1: Well, I kind of grew up in a very strange family who loves horror movies and, you know, all the stuff that we love to talk about, you know. So um, it's it's excited, you know, speaking to other like minded people at events and whatnot, because growing up, it was, I guess, different. You kind of feel like an outcast because the majority of the people out there, they're like, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, my uh, from the age of three, I can remember one of my earliest memories living in a house. I moved in there with my mom. My grandmother was there, and she, my grandmother, was always very open about her spirituality, seeing things as far as a paranormal experience that she had growing up. So. We were always free and open to talk about it amongst ourselves. I guess, long story short, they purchased this house, and I didn't know this until years later, but apparently the place was haunted, and in a way, I can kind of confirm it with my own thoughts, because at three and four, I can remember walking through this house. Every time I would get to this specific part of the hallway, my nose would start bleeding, and I laugh because, you know, I'm sure they thought maybe I was just like this crazy nose picker because I was constantly getting nose bleeds. But, you know, I can uh, be honest, like, I don't know. I would just walk by this area and my nose would start bleeding. And I thought that was weird. But when you're that young, you don't think much about it. Years later, my mom and grandma both kind of told me about seeing this man in the same house. My mom saw a man in denim overalls in the actual Bathroom mirror when she was getting out of the shower, he was behind her and she fell back and turned around, and there was no one there. Another time, there was, uh, she was taking a shower and there was loud banging on the bathroom door, like someone was trying to get in, and she was like yelling at him, like, hold on, you know, I'll get, I'm getting out, you know, and she opened the door, and no one was at the house. My grandmother also saw the same man. So, the story of this house that they didn't tell me until years later was they got a good deal on it and the reason is because the man that lived there was sitting in the living room and decided to shoot his dog and then he shot himself in the head and when they purchased the house there was still blood stains on the floors and the walls that they had to take care of because it was kind of like crime scene people came in cleaned up best they could and the people who actually owned it the family i guess were just like get this out you know I don't care what I sell it for. So that's how we acquired that property.
2: <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah. That's a crazy story. Cause you did, I didn't find that out until a long time afterwards, you know?
2: <laughs> so, so like where the, where the stains and stuff were, was this like carpet or hardwood floors?
1: It was carpet. They had pulled up the actual carpet, but you know, whatever they, whatever you put the, the carpet, I guess. Yeah. That padding stuff. They had left it there. The majority of it had been cut out um, to remove where the blood had soaked through. But even under that, on the f- actual foundation of the floor or whatever, it was still stained. Yeah, it was pretty gruesome stuff. I guess the man had been there for a few days at least when they found him. So, yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, it's it's amazing, but I've heard at least three or four different stories To where someone Mm -hmm. committed suicide like that, and Mm -hmm. they either, it was either through a murder-suicide with a loved one or just by themselves, where they shot their dog as well.
1: Yeah. Like, why do you always, like, I hate hearing, so why is it always the dog? Like, leave the animals out of it. That's how I feel.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's very odd. I know we had uh, Andrea Whitney on. She's uh, from down in Texas. And she did a story one time where she interviewed some people and she was talking about a haunted house down there. And she talked to a, a couple that had been together for a very long time, 20, 30 years at least. And she got a lot of information on the story from them. And then literally like a couple months later after after she had gotten the story, the man killed his wife, killed his dog, and killed himself. So it's just, wow. it's just so weird. So tell me a little bit about now, about when did you go into paranormal investigating and how that ended up landing you on tv on sci-fi channels ghost hunters (laughs) international that seems like a pretty huge jump for most people
1: yeah and it really was i can i guess i consider myself that was kind of just the luck of the draw thing but where it all started was actually i think the year was maybe 2005 or 6 um and i remember seeing the original ghost hunters jason and grant on tv and Um, It was actually a boyfriend I was dating at the time. He and his mom and them like watched it. And I was like, what is this? That's cool. I like scary stuff. And that's when I guess I kind of recognized that you could scientifically try to, I don't like to say prove or disprove, but you know, kind of look into this paranormal realm, the other side, the possibility of it, there were actual steps and like equipment and things that you could use to try to get some actual proof and not just bring a psychic in and and they tell you what they see or think or hear. And to me that that's what it was all about. That was, that was it for me. So I went online and I found a team called Florida. So I was born and raised in central Florida, Polk County. And I found a team called the Florida Ghost Team, and they were based out of Fort Lauderdale. They had kind of like a little offshoot group, and and they were going to do an investigation at at two places, the Oliva Cigar Factory and the Italian Club in Ybor City, which is like the old part of Tampa. And I was like, yeah, I, I emailed them, and I said, can I please come do this, possibly join your team? I want to learn how to use this equipment and and do this. Like, how do you do this? So of course they were like, yeah, come on, let's go. And this was 2006 or seven. It's, it's kind of hard to keep track of that, but I went and this man, Kevin, who was kind of heading up the investigations kind of told me a little about it. I did it. I had some cool experiences that night, heard my first actual EVPs with this old crappy like audio recorder. (laughs) (laughs) But it was so cool to me because I knew I knew that what I heard through that recorder I did not hear in that moment when I was there. I knew that was something and and I wanted I wanted more. So I became kind of addicted. go figure we most of us do. and I just kind of started um, investigating more, wanted to learn more. And one day in 2008. Kevin, the same man, reached out to me on MySpace. This is MySpace days. Uh, well,
2: you know, you, sp- you got into this very young anyway, because you're barely into your thirties now, and you're talking about 2005 right. and 2008. So, I mean, you you had to be just barely out of your teens.
1: Right. Yeah i was um, I was about 18 when I did my first like investigation with a, a group, and I was 20. When I got that email from Kevin on MySpace and he was like, hey, there's the show Ghost Hunters International. I know you know Ghost Hunters, but this is the international version. They're finishing up filming season one. I knew about it only because from my team, Florida Ghost team, it was Rob Demarest, who was like the founder of our team. He was like, you know, lead investigator on the show. So that was kind of a big deal locally for us. And then my friend, Angela Alderman, who I did my first couple of investigations with in Ybor City that night, she had joined the show, too. And she was leaving the show. They were wrapping up season one. And he was like, they're looking for another female. Do you want to audition? And of course, I'm like, well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, I've never been anywhere outside of like, Florida Georgia Tennessee you know like come on they gave me the info and I sent in this was the back whenever you recorded an actual tape you know like a little mini (laughs) tv tape and I recorded my little interview thing (laughs) and I sent it in and uh, I felt so cool because it was like oh I'm mailing this tape to Los Angeles (laughs) man and I'll tell you within a week I got a call back and they were like can we get another tape from you but we need to see you in an IR in night vision like investigating in action we want to see what you look like on camera and I was like okay like that was kind of weird but okay (laughs) (laughs) so uh I had this this is the funny part of the whole experience I had my best friend at the time drive me into the middle of the orange groves and we made up this bs story about how some man shot himself or something (laughs) killed himself in the orange groves and now the groves were haunted (laughs) (laughs) so i'm out there doing this fake investigation with this crappy little voice like audio recorder in my hand but all they needed was like 30 seconds and within two weeks i got a call and they said hey we want to offer you this position do you have a passport I said no. It took about two weeks for my passport to come in the mail, and I got my itinerary and my tickets, and I got on a plane to Ireland and Czech Republic, and then it was all uphill from there pretty much. It was amazing. It was a whirlwind, that's for sure.
2: How long were you on the show?
1: I did the show for about – I think it was like two years of just constant – traveling a lot of we we filmed episodes that were never aired and a lot of stuff that was never aired really but that happens you know a lot right quite the experience that's for sure
2: (laughs) so out of all the places you went and all the things that you got to be a part of investigating all the places what was your favorite which one stands out amongst all the others
1: Mm, i have a couple really but i will you can do two we got all night okay great um well (laughs) One was in Port Arthur, Tasmania. We were, I had been filming on the show for maybe a year at this time, maybe, I don't know, a year, year and a half. We had just got done investigating and filming the quarantine station outside of Sydney, Australia, and we took this horrible plane ride down to Tasmania, and we all thought we were going down. It was her, I can't tell you how many horrible plane rides i've been on now <laughs> going to these t- different places around the world but we were all kind of ready to see some sunlight and having just a really rough time on this run and they of course bring us to this prison in port arthur tasmania there's like no sunshine it's thick overcast it's freezing cold lots of rain we're miserable but the place is beautiful it's like i guess a brief history it was uh like a holding place for prisoners who came over from England and the mainland Australia in the 171800s and then in i think the early 90s some dude came in and shot a bunch of people and it was like the Port Arthur massacre they called it
2: there's not a lot of gun violence when you get over to like Australia and New Zealand and and Tasmania so yeah, it's it's nothing mm-hmm. like here. If there's that's it's highly unusual to have a mass shooting of any kind.
1: Yeah, not anymore. Um it was I think it was that event actually that had them kind of go on lockdown with guns because it was such a horrible. I mean, we've had bigger massacres here in our country, but we like I, I want to say like over there it was just like tiny tasmania and then out of nowhere this young kid who seemed to have his stuff together you know which we see it all the time now but in the early 90s it was kind of like this is out of nowhere so yeah after that it just put everyone on high alert and you don't see it anymore (laughs) you see a lot of knife attacks though right like i mean it's australia Why am I laughing about that?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You got my sixth sense of humor, so that's okay. Uh
1: huh. (laughs) So I guess the story, that was kind of like a history of it, but we're investigating. There's a two night investigation, which they make it on TV look like one night you're in and out. It's not the case at all. And it was night one. I walked in with Rob D into this one prison cell. He didn't tell me whose cell it was or if it was anyone specific cell. They're just like, hey, go in there. You know, I walked in there and I immediately got really kind of like lightheaded, dizzy. And I'm chalking it up to all these things. Like I'm thinking, okay, my iron might be low. Maybe I'm just overtired. I might be hungry. All these reasons other than paranormal, of course, night two, Dustin and Brandy and me, we are all walking down this hallway and we all walk in there And eventually Dustin's like, I'm going to leave you girls in here. And we're like, okay. (laughs) And then Brandy's like, Ashley, I'm going to leave you in here. So everyone walked out and it was just me. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know who I'm talking to. I was just like, is there anyone in here with me? I was kind of like a little irritable and tired and ready to go at this point. And I heard something really weird. Then I got the dizzy nauseous feeling again. All of a sudden it felt like some people thought I was insane for explaining it this way but it's just the truth. It felt like somebody like kind of reached in my like my chest and I don't I don't even know like pulled all the energy out of me or something. It just I felt a pressure in my chest and I kind of in a way stumbled back against the wall of the cell. And right then I felt something touch my right knee and I like kind of like, went down like you're swatting at a fly. There was no one there, of course, and it was just me, and I walked out, and I'm like, I'm, you know, ready to be done. Let's wrap this up kind of thing, but we still had to film a bunch, so we're listening to the stuff the next day. You hear me on the recorder say, why don't you come out and talk to me? And then you hear this male voice, loud, clear, sinister, say, okay. (laughs) Like, (laughs) (laughs) dude, they didn't tell me. Somebody else found this, because that's how we do it you know tv so much different but um we just kind of break up the evidence and go over it on our day off and then we film the scenes and they tell us what we're gonna you know you're gonna find this and you're gonna find that they didn't tell me but everyone knew that that evp happened except me they waited until we're filming on camera while i'm sitting there at the table and i have my headphones on and i hear that on camera so in that episode that is a legitimate real reaction i was entirely speechless and i tried to kind of smile it off like laugh it off um, uh, but I was so like, just kind of like sick to my stomach and scared because that was like a first experience for something actually interacting with me that I couldn't explain. So, yeah.
2: so let me ask you this. Cause you've mentioned a couple of times, little behind the scenes stuff that we don't get to see. So mm-hmm. walk us through a typical, uh, what a typical episode would be like, what, you know, what do you do? What gets filmed? How much gets kept? Uh, that type of thing, and it, like you said, that that behind the scenes stuff where you break it all down on the the next mm-hmm. day. Give give us an idea of how an episode actually goes on one of these shows.
1: We get to the location, and we don't usually get a chance to kind of walk through it. They choose who they want to be on camera doing the whole quote unquote walk through. Excuse me, in story. Um, but generally, the crew goes in. They get their B roll shots, outside, inside stuff. They get their day and their night stuff day one. But then when our investigation starts we go in during the day us, I guess <laughs> peons. I don't know what you'd call <laughs> us. The ones that aren't on camera doing the walkthrough. We're just sitting in the vans eating snacks and <laughs> talking about how we wish we could be anywhere else. <laughs> um, and, and the other guys usually it was like Rob D and Barry and Dustin um, would do walkthroughs. Uh, and Yeah. So then that was the day. Then we'd, Break for dinner. We'd all eat. Then we'd go straight to work, which sometimes was horrible having to eat and then go straight into all night filming. They'd break us into teams. We'd investigate at different times in different locations, and they tell you where to go and who you're going to be investigating with. And you do get to choose which equipment you bring and what you use and how you do it. So you do have freedom. But as far as a schedule, you're on a strict schedule. And then it's wrap. If it's a big location, we do two nights. filming then the next day we have a day off and that day off we're supposed to go over all the evidence but we break it up in between each other and just kind of say hey you take this audio from here you take that dvr footage whatever and then the day after our day off we get together and film our analysis and review scenes where you see us all sitting at the table it's just constant like all right let's action and then we're just like Hey guys, do you want to hear this? Hey guys, you may want to hear what I got here. Hey guys. <laughs> <It's just laughs>
2: but at that, at that point, does everybody already know that that exists, that that's what they're going to be just a setup for it though?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how they do it now. Cause I'm not, you know, on any of the new shows right now, but, um, 10 years ago you know that's how we did it so yeah we already knew we knew the day before what we got we would talk about it we would try to debunk it we'd discuss it you know so when we sit down at that table we're not actually reviewing then right i feel like i'm like giving away dirty secrets of tv but it's actually exciting
2: but that's what that's what we want we want the 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 behind the scenes Look, there's not a single game show or anything on tv that people don't want to know what really happens how long does it take like Mm -hmm. what was uh what's that show shark tank that show they come out they give like a little 10 minute presentation and all that i read somewhere that behind the scenes that that presentation usually takes somewhere like two to three hours And all you see is, you know, 10, 15 minutes of it. So I like learning that kind of stuff. And I know most people do too.
1: Oh yeah. That's like, I mean, even with our show, we would film for out literally from sundown to sun up and, um, you get 30 minutes of uh, maybe of footage, but then in between that, you're having the commercial breaks, you're having different scenes, uh, so the majority of what we have ever done has never been seen and even we haven't seen it. So and I mean we filmed a whole scene all day long playing paintball in Nazi trenches in Poland and it was never put on TV. It was the coolest stuff. Like Barry shot me and broke my finger.
2: <laughs> that um, sounds like sounds exciting. Like we were-
1: <laughs> dude we were like army crawling through the woods in trenches it was insane it was like i mean like literally where this real stuff happened playing paintball like i mean and they our teams were vicious like uh, everybody we're all we're all nice and we're friends but like i'm just telling you when it came to paintball and, and also we left the paintball we left the paintballs in the cars overnight so a lot of them were frozen uh. <laughs> and that's how my finger got broken
2: <laughs> so that was a that was a very cool story you said you've got a second story though
1: yeah <laughs> um so the other one actually took place it was me and Dustin investigating at this place called Castle Huska in the Czech Republic
2: absolutely we've got a story awesome place
1: yes in in the it was I love – it was a beautiful, as you would know. It's a gorgeous castle, an incredible history, Um, just the road leading up to the castle with the trees. I mean, you're, like, back in the medieval times. It was incredible. And it was actually – I don't know who it's owned by now, but at the time, it was this American guy who, like, took care – he was, like, the caretaker and stuff with his wife. So – as you would as know, the, the little town there, Chesky-Krumloff, I believe from what they told us, and they could have been lying to us, we <laughs> went drinking in this underground bar in this town. Like, we got wild. Don't let anyone fool you. But we went and we <laughs> we went drinking in this bar in Chesky-Krumloff when we were filming this episode, and apparently scenes from Hostel were filmed there.
2: Oh, wow.
1: Like, yeah like the movie Hostel. so that was really cool and surreal at the same time and a little creepy but anyway we were in the attic the attic's broken up into different because you know it's kind of like a donut-shaped castle it's open in the middle you know right it was me and dustin in one portion of the attic and it was so dark but we had our ir cams and little tiny lights And we're just kind of having a conversation on camera, trying to stir up something because we heard that there's something negative up there. People have heard stuff in the attic. And all of a sudden I see something behind us and out of the corner of my eye. And then he sees it too. And we're literally seeing like a shadow figure of a head and, and shoulders just kind of there, like against the wall. And all of a sudden it shoots over And we're both just like, we, we jumped back and our camera guy was kind of overhead, overhead us kind of in the rafters, you know, um, those camera guys are amazing. Some of the stuff they do, man, but he was, he was like filming us kind of from above and back. And then our audio guy wasn't even in this portion with us. He was outside the door, so it wasn't them. And we saw the shadow again and Dustin and I are talking. He's like, holy crap. Do you see that? And I was like, I see it. Yeah. And I'm trying to close my eyes, but I don't want to look stupid on camera. And I don't, you know, cause people are going to make fun of me in the forums anyway. Cause I'm sitting there biting my nails, terrified. <laughs> um, and, like, <laughs> and I'm just like, that was before social media was like, it is now, you know? So I'm just like looking and watching this thing. And all of a sudden it shoots off into the back dark corner of this attic And what looks like it kind of goes out the the tiny little attic window there. And as soon as it does, we hear all the birds flock out of the trees. And, I mean, Dustin can back me up on this story. And so Dustin's like, all right, we're going to do an experiment. And I'm like, cool, what are we doing? I just want to (laughs) go. And he's like, like, all right, because there's, like, kind of dirt and rubble in this part of the attic. And he's like, I'm going to pick this rock up. And then he starts talking to whatever entity may be there. He's like, all right, I'm going to pick this up, and I'm going to throw it. If you understand what I'm saying, can you throw it back at us or back to us? And he throws it into the darkness. And the next thing I know, we see it coming back. And then you can hear it on camera go, because it's scraping against the floor, and it's coming back to us. And I see it come back to me out of the pitch black, and that was it. Like, I mean, if I could have ran out, like I would have. <laughs> But We had to play it cool. And that experience was something that I'll never forget because I can't think of any way whatsoever unless somebody was in the darkness, which I know there wasn't because we used the flashlights when we got in there. Nobody was in there. I can't, I I have no idea how that would have happened other than something paranormal.
2: It's been a while since we've done that episode, probably been at least over a year. Am I wrong? Yeah, I want to listen to it now. Are, am I wrong, or does that place have, like, all kinds of cool-ass artwork and murals and stuff in it?
1: Oh, no. No, you're not wrong. The place is gorgeous. It's has—we've uh, been to a couple of castles that just has incredible, like, hand-painted murals on the ceilings, on the walls, like, very well-preserved. But this castle itself, the history, because it was occupied—at least this is what I was told and I—, I you would probably know more than me as far as the research on it The didn't the, the Nazis occupied this castle for a period of time. Right.
2: That's the, that's the story. Some people say it's right. rumors. Some people say it's true, but yeah, they were trying to tap into whatever evil might be in the place.
1: Yes. Okay. I'm so glad you said that because I wasn't sure if it was like real or not because you know, they were doing tours and sometimes when you go to a place right. that does tours, You know how it goes. You never know what to truly believe. So they sent me and Joe Chin down. And Joe Chin and I, when we would investigate together, it's just like a comedy show, really. So it was (laughs) like, okay, you're sending us two goofballs to the basement. Cool. All right, let's go. We get down there, and we start looking around. They didn't tell us what was down there. And there's, like, mirrors, like, really tall, huge mirrors with candle wax drippings all around the edges. Uh, there's, like, what looks like scalps of human hair, um, torture devices. We learned about this thing. I mean, I, I'm telling you, like, I don't even want to go into detail about, like, what these things did, but it was horrendous and amazing. <laughs> and then there's this thing called – I think he called, they called it the Devil's Throne or Satan's Throne that they have down here in this basement. And, of course – me being Ashley, I go and sit on Satan's throne or whatever it's called. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm sitting there and Joe Tim's like, wait, you're going to sit there? Like, What's wrong with you? And I'm like, well, yeah, like we're trying to stir something up. Let's do it. And I sit down and I kid you not, it was within a few minutes of me sitting in that chair. I felt something rub up my back, like as if like it was like fingers just kind of go from like the middle of my back up to the top of my back really fast as if somebody kind of brushed their hand up my back. But I was sitting in this chair and there was no one behind me. And I, I got up from that chair so fast and I'm like something legit just touched me and I'm not sitting in Satan's chair anymore.
2: It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a bad country song. I'm not sitting in Satan's chair anymore.
1: Dude, I'm probably, I had to go write that. I'm going to write that down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> is your time at that castle, was that your the scariest moment you've ever had overall, or has there been worse?
1: You know, I honestly, as far as like the supernatural and paranormal stuff goes, I can say those are some of my more real experiences. Like I feel that I can't explain away with science, you know, or anything else. But I've had some creepy things happen to me that it ended up being hobos you know <laughs> right <laughs> it ended up being just homeless people trying to live their best life and i'm just going in there and they're what is now their house <laughs> and messing with their stuff <laughs> but uh that wasn't with ghost hunters you know that was on my own filming my airbag stuff so i've had some pretty close calls
2: you live In a very old haunted area in general, or or from, I'm not going to say live, because you're kind of all over the place. We got you to do Savannah and Charleston, because you're right in that vicinity. They're only about two and a half hours from each other. Tell Mm -hmm. me a little bit, just in briefly what our listeners can expect. If they come to either one of those areas for a show, it's going to be tough because they're back to back. I, I wish we could have done it different, but for travel reasons that we had to do it that way. But I mean, I would love mm-hmm. to be able to spend an entire weekend at both places, but um, yeah. so, so obviously Mike Brown does the pleasing Terrorist tour in Charleston. So if you come to the Friday night show and you're, you're not coming to Savannah and you hang out there, you can uh, hook up to his tour on Saturday night and it will be awesome, and you can make a weekend of it. Uh, you're closer to the Savannah area. Uh, tell me a little bit about Savannah as a whole. I know there's tons of haunted places, but give me an idea of what you feel just being there, uh, especially if you're somebody coming in that just enjoys that and have never been to the area.
1: Well, I, um, I was born and raised in, you know, outside of Orlando area. A lot of what I come from is new, newer construction. So when I first visited Savannah, Just getting into that city, it is, I mean, it is full of beautiful historical buildings. If you love history, um, just architecture in general, go, because it is an incredible place. I mean, we still have the original cobblestone streets down on River Street. Um, We do a a really great job, like our historic preservation, uh, our city does an incredible job really preserving the soul of Savannah and not entirely selling out for tourism purposes, even as you know, with history, like keeping up with like a, what is it like a historic code and stuff? If anything new is built or, or renovated, you have to do it a certain way. I guess I our city has went through. I've lived there over 10 years, so I consider it my mine. <laughs> it's mine. I live in Savannah in Midtown. I used to live downtown and it, it's one of it's one of the oldest place. It was uh, settled by General Oglethorpe, you know, a lot of people know the history of Oglethorpe and bringing in, it was originally like a military establishment. Um people started bringing their families and creating little square plots of land for their homes and that's how we have all these beautiful squares today yellow fever man like 1700s 1800s were a hor- it was a horrible time for the city thousands and thousands of people died like so many people were dying so fast in our original hospital downtown which you can find if you come to the savannah one it's on forsyth park which is the big famous park with the big beautiful fountain downtown the original hospital is right there on the park and attached to the hospital underground are tunnels. These tunnels used to lead all throughout the city underneath. People, people talk about how it's a myth, but it's not. The catacombs under Savannah are real because I've seen them. A lot of it is closed off today. It's disgusting. But, you know, when all these people were dying, they couldn't get rid of the bodies fast enough, and it was still contagious, and they had to do something. So that's where a lot of them went for a while downtown we have the colonial cemetery it is now fenced in go there if you get a chance because the history of that place is incredible it is a lot smaller than what it used to be when the union when sherman came and marched through the city as a lot of people know he spared our beautiful city because it was just so gorgeous (laughs) Mm -hmm. but uh yeah like he didn't burn our city down thankfully so that's how we have so much of what we have today but his troops used the headstones of the Colonial Cemetery is target practice. So if you walk through the cemetery today, you can see a lot of the stones have been placed on the brick wall at the back. And you can see the bullet holes through all of them. It's kind of incredible. So there are a lot more graves in that cemetery than stones that you see. And this, the cemetery itself actually spans under the streets and a lot further out. So there are bodies all under the city of Savannah.
2: And under the airport. <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> and out of the airport, we got those, the two graves, yeah. Like, that's it's pretty fascinating. Um, kind of sad and messed up, but, you know, uh, big, we were big on, like, the rice plantations, the cotton is big deal. It was a big deal back in the day to get it all established. But anyway, the paranormal side, we got a lot of ghost tours, hearse tours where you can ride an actual hearse walking tours but i think i tell people this like me personally i like to do my own research because any tour can any any tour guide can tell you pretty much what they want i know a lot of them try to stick to facts but of course i i'm i'm kind of cynical so i get really you know weary of people like telling me something <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I mean, as, as you know, there's so many different ghost stories and you could just walk the streets at night, which I wouldn't actually do that if I were <laughs> like in certain parts of our city. But you can walk through the beautiful downtown squares at night and there's a different story for every square, whether if it's hanging of supposed witches to, you know, burning people I mean, like it's, it, there's so many different crazy stories yeah. and I can tell you just when I first came there, I'm I'm not a psychic or a medium or anything like that, but I can tell you just as any normal person, if you appreciate history and you walk through that city, you feel it. You, you don't just see the history. You feel the history. Um, it's worth it. In my opinion. Yeah. We definitely try to keep true to it.
2: Let's do this. So we, we've discussed a lot tonight. And we're excited to have you on both of those shows. Tell us a little bit about how people can find out more about you, uh, any websites or social media or how they can follow you a little bit over the next year to get to know you a little better.
1: Just like most of us, I have a Facebook page and it's just Ashley Godwin official, I believe. And it's yeah, A-S-H-L-E-Y-G-O-D-W-I-N. I don't know why, but some people still think it's Goodwin. There's only one O oh guys. I'm not gonna <laughs>
2: lie to you. The first five or six times I saw your name, every time I thought it was Goodwin.
1: I know. And then everybody's like, wait, you're related to Aaron Goodwin from Ghost Adventures? No, I'm Ashley Godwin from <laughs> Ghost Hunters. Thank you. <laughs> Instagram is the same thing, like forward slash Ashley Godwin official. Most of the what you're gonna see is posts about my Urbex stuff. You can find me on YouTube at forward slash i think it's just ashley godwin or you know all you got to do is type in ashley godwin in youtube my page will pop up for my channel and again i've been doing a lot more paranormal investigations for the channel itself lately but a lot of it is mostly just going in and exploring abandoned places which a lot of them i've picked up evps just with my camera mic so they're still cool I guess I got Twitter, Twitter's new. I deleted my old one from ghost hunters and that's Ashley Godwin R L like real life, man. I don't know. Yeah, that's about it.
2: <laughs> so so let's end with this. Uh, you were at the Sally house with us briefly. Right. What is your impression of the Sally house? Is it as bad as most people think it is? Does the, does the legend hold up to reality? What what are your thoughts when you're inside that place doing an investigation?
1: Um, well, I've been there now. Uh, I think when I went when I went there, uh, that was my first time there with you guys, and I've been there two times since. I first kind of developed a weird obsession. Now a lot of people would chalk that up to oh, you got an attachment there; it was pulling you back. I. I don't know. I feel like there's something really off about that house. There's something off, which in a weird, dark, bad way about the whole town. And that's where I go. and fall into my conspiracy theory, nerdisms where it's like, OK, Amelia Earhart's from this town, guys. Look what happened to her. Um, and <laughs> like the town itself. I feel like you can just walk the streets and feel this like toxicity, but at this, but not, I'm not saying the town is toxic because it is a gorgeous town. Right. Well worth the visit. It's beautiful. Like I, I say that, but I say that because I'm fascinated with it, but I love the town so much. And it's just this tiny town in Kansas that the homes there are fascinating tons of gorgeous Victorian homes, the Sally house itself, has a crazy history of multiple different types of hauntings, people living there, um, being attacked, being possibly possessed. I mean, I've heard all sorts of stuff. My experience is there. I can honestly say that I I feel like it is haunted. I say that because of EVPs that I have captured, um, also the personal experiences that happened there. I don't know, again, if it was just my eyes, but two different times I've been there, I swore I saw a shadow or a person walking from that master bedroom. When you go up the stairs there to the right, mm-hmm. kind of going over fast into the kids room there, like opposite side. And just I, I feel like I I feel like I was going crazy in that house, to be honest with you. Um, and I don't think it was a, a, a girl. Does that make sense? Like, I don't think there is a Sally. I don't believe Sally exists. Also, just with my own personal opinion here, again, I don't want to ruffle anyone's feathers, but there's no factual evidence that a little girl named Sally ever went there, ever lived there, ever existed. Right. So I have a hard time with that. Yeah. The stuff I felt there, the stuff I got from there was not some little girl that accidentally died from a procedure it's something dark it's something bad and a lot of us keep getting drawn back there and when stuff like that happens i don't think that's the good thing unless you are like prepared for it you know and you're yeah so <laughs> <laughs> i was told i'll be honest with you guys i was told um when i did my event at malvern manor was it like a week or two ago uh by a good friend of mine. I've never had like a spiritual cleansing or anything done before and I let her do one on me and then she did one the next day because I was feeling like complete crap and she told me that I had picked up multiple things from Sally House and she told me it was from that upstairs closet, that walk-in closet. So I'm like, how did you know that for one? I mean, like like, for what, you know, she told me things that I experienced that I didn't tell anyone. So, yeah. So I'm like, cool teach me about this protecting yourself thing because i don't know any of that like i never <laughs> yeah
2: well so. you know we cool. were up there that night i think i think when i was in that room with the closet uh when when uh chris was in there and was you know asking everybody was asking questions i think you were in there with us at the same time you know i didn't get I, I never get any kind of feelings at these places and i didn't get anything And and as a matter of fact i know Chris was talking about and some of the other people there that they could hear some roars or growling, mm-hmm. I guess more of a, the term growling, coming from that closet area. And I know Chris was genuinely uh, very timid about that room and specifically said that he would not spend the night there. And it's just mm-hmm. not something he was comfortable with, uh, which was... Comforting, considering we were getting ready to spend a the night there. But the reality of it is, the next day, uh, Tracy had left her glasses up there, and everybody had already left for the day. And I had to call uh, Maria and get the uh, code to be able to get in to get her glasses. And I spent probably ten minutes in that place by myself. And I walked in the closet. I walked all around. I took pictures. I took pictures out the window, closet, and. I just, I got nothing out of that place. And it just, I guess it's a little bit of disappointment. Not that I'm trying to be possessed or have an attachment, but <laughs> I, it's like, man, we're in one of the most haunted places in le- legitimately maybe the world. And I can't even pick up anything in here. So. I,
1: I, I get you. Uh, the The last time I was there, I got nothing. And I don't know if it is something that if, if I say if, I'm so weird about believing things ever maybe it's something that travels around maybe it's something that is intelligent and decides who it wants to mess with it picks the weaker ones it picks the ones that they know that it knows or whatever that would believe but but yeah and also let me just say i didn't know that spending the night at the time was an opportunity or an option i mean like i went like chris Chris told me later that you guys were spending the night and I was like, well, damn it. Like (laughs) I could have been like, that would have been so much fun.
2: (laughs) Yeah. We Tracy and I spent the night upstairs in that middle bedroom by ourselves. Everybody else slept downstairs.
1: Yeah. Like, well, that's, that's great though, that you guys like had the opportunity to do something like that because, um, I mean, I I don't say I feel like not many people like I mean, I know a lot of people do do that, but I would have loved to have been able to do something like that. And I do find it interesting that you just said that you didn't have anything happen. And that kind of brings me back to a lot of my other personal experiences in these places where people are like, oh, it's crazy activity. And I go in there and I'm like, all right, I'm bored.
2: (laughs) I could legitimately go to the Sally House, leave right from there, go to Waverly Hills. And then go to bobby mackey's and have nothing and then walk into mcdonald's and have something happen at the mcdonald's that's more <laughs> that's more my speed it's like i get i, I get hit though. stuff randomly and never where it's supposed to be
1: yeah i i mean i like that though it's that happens to me a lot with my like weird abandoned places explores you go into a place that is terrifying and they say is haunted and you get nothing, and then I go into, like, a random abandoned office building, and there's, like, all sorts of weird stuff occurring.
2: Yeah, I think it does definitely depend on the person sometimes.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think so, too. But also, when we were there at the Sally House that night, we we had a lot of us there, and I, in my experience, anytime I've been at a big event, it's really difficult because there's a lot of noise pollution. A lot of people have their lights and gadgets and equipment making noise, and... If I was a ghost, I wouldn't want to mess with all that. <laughs>
2: no, it'd feel like a, <laughs> like a posse or something out to get you.
1: Right. Right. I feel overwhelmed. Like, come on, y'all. Like, Yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, there's just certain, also certain pieces of equipment that we were using that night that I was like, let's turn it off so we can really hear what's going on. Because the people that have had these true experiences at the Sally house, they weren't running all this stuff. They were literally just hanging out. Right.
2: walking through ashley godwin awesome. it was an honor having you on the show we appreciate it look so forward to doing the live events with you thank you for coming on
1: thank you so much for having me this has been a great conversation all
2: right i feel the same so i'll <laughs> talk to you soon we'll have you back on before then
1: yeah sounds good to me
2: all right guys that concludes the episode for tonight i hope you guys had a good time hope you enjoyed ashley and the story we had on the poogan's porch
0: i know it was great i like that story a lot honey you did a good job well thank you you're welcome and ashley we appreciate you coming on the show honey you're such a a poor yeah i don't know you're just like a cool chick to hang out with you have a great personality and a lot of fun and we can't wait to see you again talk to y'all soon love y'all